Well, with the CIS Indoor Championships in Windsor this past weekend, another indoor track season has officially passed us by. But if you're like me and watched any part of it at all, you know it was sent out with a real bang. On this week's show, we attempt to wrap our heads around just what happened, with Graham Naismith giving us the 411 on the results, Jeff Cosson, our in-house run pundit, to deliver some solid analysis, and the woman who took home an impressive amount of hardware from the meet, U of T Sasha Golish, talks about her road to victory. Don't go anywhere, you're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter, also available on iTunes, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, and of course, tracky.ca. And if you're listening to this show right now, you likely know that the Canadian University Championships went down this past weekend, bringing together some of the best in the country onto one track. With that collection of the fastest currently in the Canadian collegiate system, on the women's side of the competition, one athlete stood out. Sasha Golish brought home a grand total of five medals, winning the 1,000, the 3,000, and as a member of the 4x8 team, as well as placing second in the 600 and the 1500. It should also be noted, her performances were a huge factor in the team title that U of T brought home, and she was also awarded the Meet MVP Award. Sasha joins us from Toronto. Thanks for being on the show this week, Sasha. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, congratulations on all that hardware you picked up this past weekend. Uh, something I noticed watching your races, whether it be the 600 or the 3000, you seem to pack a really quick kick. Is that something that comes naturally to you? And perhaps how have you uh, honed it into what it is today? So uh, my kick. So I want to start by saying thanks actually for your coverage uh, by Tracky uh, of the meet this weekend. Uh, it was I've watched all the races now and it was actually really interesting to hear your guys' feedback on my kick. So um, last summer when I came back to track and field, I learned pretty quickly in races that if you want to be a contender, you've got to have a kick. And uh, as you know, Gabriella Stafford is one of my teammates and I would say one of the has one of the best kicks out there. And she said, you know, she gave me great advice. She said it's part mental, part physical. And she said one day it'll just click and you'll want to go. And, you know, I think that happened at AO Cross Country Championships. I was about... 300 meters out from the line with Rachel Hanna and I was like okay legs let's see what you got <laughs> all right well you, you know I've uh, I've watched uh you know a few different interviews with Cam Levins and he he is also very well known for his kick and he he talks about seeing um you know a, a sprint coach when he was at home and that really helped him out do you have some sort of sprint coach uh, who helped you with that kick or uh, I don't have a sprint coach per se, but I'd say that Ross and Terry, the two coaches that I work with at U of T, definitely employ some sprinting tactics uh, in the training that we do. So, yeah, I think that definitely helped uh, help me with my kick. As mentioned at CIs, you raced everything from the super quick 600 to the more aerobic 3000. Uh, how did you train to run such a wide array of races? Uh, well, I'd say trust your coaches. Um, in terms of training for them. But uh, I think part of it is that I've got a pretty naturally uh, large aerobic capacity. Uh, my teammates actually call me the aerobic animal. They say, you know, I just keep going and going. I guess I'd be the energizer bunny then too. <laughs> um, but I think part of that comes from the fact that, you know, I did, I kind of did two or three years of cycling racing where, you know, you sort of big build this big aerobic engine uh, for the races. You know, cycling races can be anywhere from two to three hours. Um, so I think that really helped in terms of the aerobic capacity. 
Um, and then sort of, I mean, everyone knows I'm a little bit older than everybody else in the CIS. Um, and we're just kind of paying attention to the fact that my number of years to get speedy is probably pretty limited. So we did spend a fair amount of time kind of training the faster side of things. Um, and I think given that the 1500 is one of my races, it kind of made it easier for me to drop down to the 600 and use some speed and then creep back up to the 3000 and use my aerobic capacity. Due to the fact that CIs took place over a couple of days, it meant a very hectic schedule for you, uh, running the 1,000, the 3,000, and the 4x8 all in one day with the remainder happening the next day. What sort of strategy did you use keeping your, uh, to keep yourself as fresh as possible throughout the meet? So it, it definitely was a hectic schedule, and uh, don't forget those 600-meter heats on the Thursday night. Oh, for sure, um, yeah. <laughs> so my strategy was one race at a time. So... Um, it, it's a really mentally challenging thing to think of all of the races you have. But if you break it down one race at a time, it's much more, um, it, it's much easier to deal with. So um, by thinking of things through one race at a time, uh, you know, every warm up, every cool down was just focusing on that one race, uh, it made it a lot easier. And then plus, we've got, you know, a great uh, integrated support team at U of T. And so we had really great therapists on site. Uh, who helped me um, with some massage and stuff. And, you know, of course, one of the things we all need to be, you know, aware of as athletes is make sure you're fueled, hydrated, and resting accordingly. Now, uh, going a little bit off track here for a second, but I remember watching that 3000 race and the, uh, I believe it was the Trinity Western Girls. Right out of the gate, they took it. Uh, they took it just flying as if they, well, they, they knew that you'd run the 1000 just a couple hours beforehand. Were you prepared for like a scenario like that? Uh, I had played it out a couple ways in my head and, um, you know, we thought that they might stick with the Guelph girls and try and run a tactical race or, and we were sort of thinking that, you know, what happened happened that they would go out super hard and, um, it was more just see how your body feels. Um, and I just sort of focused in on their backs and paid less attention to what the time was and, and more to how I was feeling and just, you know, I never wanted a gap to open up, so I just kept thinking, keep your eyes on their back, keep your eyes on their back. At what point did uh, you really start to feel the fatigue of running all those races uh, over such a short time? Uh, to be totally honest with you, I felt it in the first heat of the 600, hmm. uh, and it actually made me pretty nervous. So I don't know if it's the speed and intensity of the 600, uh, but my fe legs felt really sluggish afterwards. Um so I kind of, you know, just thought of my strategy one race at a time, and uh, I actually felt surprisingly good in the first uh, first race on the Friday, the thousand. Um, and so I just kind of plugged away from there. You know, of all the things that you achieved over this past weekend, including a CI record in the four by eight and uh, a really impressive three thousand effort, uh, amongst other memorable moments, which one really means the most to you? You know, taking a look back a couple of days out now. Uh, you could have asked me this question on Saturday and the answer is the four by eight. I mean, the relays are such an awesome opportunity to work together. And, you know, I got to run with some of my favorite people on this planet. Um, it's not about the record. Um, it's not about the time, but just, you know, from the moment that honor put the baton in my hand and pushing forward and pushing forward, you know, Gabriella said, you know, please, 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 you know, try and get me as much of a lead, you know, on the Victoria girl as you can, you know, Rachel Francois is an incredibly talented 800-meter runner. And so I just, I almost ran with, with reckless abandon as, as hard as I could uh, to get that baton to Gabriella as fast as I could. And, you know, 
the smile and, you know, Gabriella pushing the baton into the air as she crossed the line. I, I'm just, I'm never going to forget that moment. Hmm. There's been a, a ton of, in my opinion, well-deserved hype surrounding your entire team that you just referenced there all season, but particularly around yourself and around Gabriella as well. Uh, being around such a dominant team, what did you learn f- from training with them? And do you think you picked up anything training with them? So this winter when we were down at Spire, I saw this great T-shirt um, on the University of Ohio, sorry, Ohio State, and it said Stronger Together. Um, and I think that's most that's the most important lesson that I've learned from these girls, both on and off the track. Um, these girls inspire me every day to be a better version of myself. Um, and my boyfriend and I have this saying, and it's we steal each other's superpowers. Um, and it's it's less about stealing them, but it's this idea that you work on your weaknesses through other people's strengths. And you know, someone said it over this weekend that you know they think that this might be one of the greatest teams ever. And so with that diversity, you had so many strengths that you could work with. Um, And so I just, you know, training with these ladies, and I think everyone would agree that we all got, you know, stronger and faster because of it. Of Of course, you are in school at the University of Toronto working towards your PhD in engineering. What people don't know is that we had to do a wee bit of juggling because you had a huge presentation yesterday and a proposal to do as well. Uh, It's not hard to imagine that you're extremely busy with school by itself. How do you balance school life and athletics? Uh, You love, you got to love every minute of your life. Uh, And I, that's definitely one of my mottos. Um, I guess I've always been good with time management. I mean, even back in high school, people used to say to me, I can't believe you do so much. Um, but things that are important to me, I always make sure that I prioritize um, and, and make sure I can get them done. And to that, I also make sure that I try not to overcommit myself, although inevitably, I almost always do. Hmm. So uh, I think my undergraduate degree in engineering really taught me a lot about time management. I mean, you just you have so many assignments, so many hours of class, and you really have to learn how to prioritize to get everything done. And so over the years, I've really kind of kept that, and I make sure that I have a priority list every week of things that need to be to be accomplished. Um, and I make sure to take care of myself because at the end of the day, if you don't take care of yourself, you sort of can't function at, you know, almost a hundred percent capacity. And I sort of see it then as, as wasted energy, you know, the inefficiencies. I mean, I'm a civil engineer, we do lots of systems stuff and sort of inefficiencies are such a waste. And so I've sort of, I always make sure that I have that in the back of my mind. You're in your thirties now, and no doubt you have a ton of other things that you probably could be doing uh what made you want to come back for one last kick at the can i guess i'm a little bit like peter pan and i never want to grow up (laughs) um but i love running and i love being active and sort of somewhere in the last year i figured out um that i was a lot faster than i thought i was so for the on and off for the last 20 years i've been involved with the university of toronto track and field team um not just the varsity team but the club team as well uh and this year's team was was something really special. And um, I don't think the men's team got as much credit um, as they deserve, but they've been a huge part of this awesome team. Um, and I think it's because of these 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 awesome young people that I really wanted to come back and, and get back involved with track and field. What I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, after such a great season full of meet records, uh, as well as your already established presence in the duathlon and uh, in the distance worlds. Uh, what's next for you? I keep running, I keep working hard, and keep loving what I do. Um, I set process goals versus outcome goals. So I'm not aiming for a podium, I'm not aiming for a team. 
I want to run some fast times. And, you know, back when all this started to come together, I said to my coach, I said, you know, what's the worst that happens? I run some fast times and I have a lot of fun along the way. Mm. Just one more thing. Uh, I see on your website, uh, sashagolish.com, that you have provided coaching services. Tell me a little bit about that. Is that something you uh, you still do? And is that something you'd like to eventually expand? So coaching's near, very near and dear to my heart. And it's a big reason why I started my PhD. So I've just recently actually completed the Canadian Sport Institute Advanced Coaching Diploma. So that actually was once upon a time called the Level 4. Um, and it's the first season I actually haven't coached alpine skiing. Uh, and I really miss the young athletes. Um, and over the years, I have coached some friends in running. Um, and although I do a lot less of coaching now, I really can't wait to go back to it one day. And I think uh, that I'll likely get involved with youth or young adult, maybe even master's track, um, although part of me is, wants to go back to the ski hills. Hmm. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of something to eventually expand on, I think I'd really like to write a book one day um, about life coaching. I think a lot of it's been written from the psychology perspective, but I don't think anyone's really looked at it from a coaching perspective. So that's one of my sort of long-term goals. Sasha Gollish, five-time medalist this past weekend. You can find her on Twitter at Sasha Gollish Runs or on her website, sashagollish.com. Thanks a lot for being on the show today, Sasha. Thanks for having me. This is the Terminal Mile, and on this week's show, we're dealing with all things CI Indoor Track. Now, to help us wrap this all up is a familiar voice. Jeff Costin is a post-collegiate runner who runs right now with support from the running room and is the official Terminal Mile run pundit. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Michael. There was a ton of great uh, races at that CI meet last weekend uh, at the University of Windsor. What race stood out for you as the best of the best, if you will? I, I kind of view everything with a distance bias, but I think the uh, in this case, both the men's and women's 3Ks were really impressive races, especially in the men's case after what happened at OUAs where people weren't really happy with how things went and whatever you think of the ethics or whatever of what went down it just it just wasn't a very quick race so it was cool to see Proudfoot take off from the front and guys chase him um when you have an honest pace like that you get a more accurate representation of where people's fitnesses are at and you know just missed the CIS record on a not very quick track and the women's side too with the uh, Gaulish running 9.14. I think that's a lot faster than anyone went last year and was impressive to see on both ends, I think. So you kind of answered the question there. Do you think that the the men's 3000 truly did live up to the hype, or do you think they could have given us even a little bit more? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it might have looked a little different if you saw CPT running it with fresh legs from Laval. So he ran the 1000 right beforehand, which was bold because I think he wanted to go for the triple. Um, and I think running at eight minute pace on a 200 meter flat track shortly after that would have been pretty tough, but you know, he kept things exciting in the battle for seconds. So it was a good race. I also, um, I think the men's four by eight was really exciting as well. They had a tough year to follow up with last year being a record breaking year, but you, Vic, and Windsor have kind of taken that event to a new level. And it was definitely an exciting finish this time around and cool that Windsor got to do it in front of their home crowd. Perhaps one of my favorite races was the 1500 where Alex Wilkie from your old alma mater, Queens, uh, took the lead and held on for third in what was, uh, in my opinion, a pure guts race from him. Were you surprised to see him do as well as he did? And what were your thoughts on that race? 
No, I, I don't get too surprised by Alex these days. Um, like his trajectories look pretty good this past year. Right before OUAs, he ran 345 in a race that he did a chunk of all alone. So I, I think he was getting quicker throughout the season. I, he probably would have done something really solid in the 3K at OUAs, but he kind of ran into some momentum problems with that. And I don't know. It's It's good to see anyone who pushes the pace early get rewarded a little bit because without with CPT scratching, I thought it might lag a little bit, but obviously they went out quickly and stuck at that pace. So it was definitely a good race to watch. Speaking of that 1500 and CPT, he was notably missing from that starting line. Say he were to have made that race in full health. How do you think that would have shaken out? Yeah, we'll, we'll never know for sure. I like going for the triples bold and, even but even after losing the three K, I think he would have been a good candidate coming back the next day. Him and Proudfoot, I think, have had a pretty solid rivalry over the last little while, and they both have pretty similar PBs. So obviously, it's another spot that would likely be in that medal slot. But beyond that, just sticking a three thirty eight guy in there who's not afraid to go quick from the front, you might get an even quicker race that's even a little bit more strung out, but. I don't know, like as I said earlier, I think we got a very honest pace race, largely because Wilkie went out early. On the women's side of things, uh, definitely the main story all season was Sasha Gaulish and uh, really the entire Toronto team. Clearly, Gaulish lived up to the hype and more. Do you think that the Toronto team will be this dominant again next year as well? <sighs> it's tough to repeat that level of dominance, but I think they'll definitely be the team to beat going into next year like they um they won the team scoring by what like 50 points on the women's side or something and so (laughs) there's a little room in the bank for things to go wrong and they should still be very strong it seems to be a conversation that comes up at the end of every season uh when a team has that dominant of a performance how well do you think that the toronto squad squad would do in the ncaa they would definitely be competitive i don't want to just uh bite material from the forum but somebody plugged numbers based on pbs that seemed like and obviously people don't have pbs necessarily for the 1200 and 1600 but that seemed reasonable based on what their respective runners can run in the mid-distance events and um, thought that they could go under 11 minutes which would be in the metal range in the ncaa so i they definitely be competitive i think and realize there's lots of room for stuff to go wrong, and it's pretty rare that a team has all four runners, if it ever happens, running around their PB level. But they definitely, um, it would be fun to see. I, I think it would be good just to see a distance medley in the CIS. We used to do them in high school. They're super fun. You get to compete with the sprinters as well, and it's kind of it's a better indication of the talent at a school over the various events than the 4 by 8 my opinion 100 percent, definitely i agree with that i mean uh taking a look down south uh it was pretty cool to see uh see one of our former guests rob deneau uh do his dmr thing with uh with villanova this year and they they actually broke a school record and like i said it was super exciting to watch i uh, i wonder yeah. why the cis isn't doing it your guess is as good as mine on that one for sure for sure uh, taking a look beyond the winner's circle, was there anyone who really stood out to you uh, that you may think may be making a big splash maybe next cross-country season or maybe next indoor season? 
Uh, I, I don't know if I have anyone in particular I would throw out, but I think there's a lot of depth in there with uh, I think Proudfoot and CPT are both gone next year and a few of the other Guelph guys. So there will be, on the men's side of the distance running, there will be a bit of a void near the front end. And the depth this year is stronger than ever. Um, or not, I don't know. I think some people from the 80s might contest that. But stronger than in my memory, at least. Um, when I was in my third year in 2012, I think I ran 8.33. And that had me like 14th in the country. And I saw this year there almost 30 guys who went under 8.30, and that's with the new banking conversion. So there's no shortage of guys that can step into that range, and it'll be interesting to see who grabs the medal spots next year. Interestingly enough, taking a look at the overall results, some big differences from the cross-country season to the indoor season. Uh, Could the case be made that the CIA... CIS is a little more balanced than uh, what one would believe if they stopped watching running every year uh, in November? Maybe. I I think the different event groups just kind of balance things out on their own. Like they take totally different training approaches, different types of facilities, um, different coaching in most cases. So the type of thing that attracts one event um, success in one event group won't necessarily be elsewhere. So, um, you know, a school like Guelph that can dominate cross country, it won't, the, you know, the diversity of events indoors will kind of even things out. And you'll see schools like formerly Guelph or Queens now that don't have indoor tracks. So obviously they have a disadvantage with the sprinters and jumpers. But you can also, I think, by zeroing in on one area, like the way Guelph did, by building up a strong distance program, they kind of accrued a good reputation and now you see they have their field house and their um their field events and sprint events are getting a lot stronger and so you you see success in the different events but they yeah schools like that still in some ways have catching up to from a school like u of t that has a long-standing sprinting tradition Looking ahead at the outdoor season coming up, uh, who are some people to watch maybe from the CI, uh, CIS as well as, you know, in general? Who are some, some people to watch here in Canada? I, I think all the guys and women that we spoke about already will be looking to run fast in the summer. It'll definitely be a good summer for CIS-type runners to run quickly because... Um, Toronto's hosting the Pan Am and Parapan Am Games, and the standards for those events are a little bit more lenient than the ones we have for, say, the World Championships or the Olympics. So there can be an impact that trickles down onto the more regional collegiate-type athletes, and I think you'll see a lot of the top CIS athletes gunning for standards and track and even up to the marathon this upcoming winter. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I'm uh, I'm gonna spring this one on you a, a little bit, uh, you know, without notice here. But uh, there is a big event coming up very soon. Uh, it's the Highway to McDonald's Challenge. <laughs> Who's the favorite one in, in that one this year? Oh boy, I that that's always been tough to predict for me. I like I think Tyson Loney last year. I didn't think was overly fit but kind of surprised everybody and won it it's um i don't know it'll be interested to see interesting to see in the team competition as well 
how Mac usually brings up a team and tries to compete against Queens. And last year it wasn't particularly close, but I'm sure that'll add some fuel to their fire to come take down some Queens scalps along the way. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a fun event. It's really grown a lot over the years. And Jeff Mountjoy, who you've had on the show, does a lot of work in promoting it and making it what it's become. Definitely, definitely. Uh, finally, you're heading to Kenya in just a few weeks. Uh, talk to me about that. What are you hoping to accomplish while you're there? Yeah, so uh, I won the trip. Robert Bracey, who's the com- president of a company called Quartet Services Inc., he uh, he gen- he f- funded the trip for the male and female winners of the Longboat 10K on Toronto Island this past September, which is a really fun event. So I was fortunate to win that. Lanny Marchant won on the women's side, and she already went. So I'll be staying at the Rift Valley Training Center in Kenya. I leave in a few weeks. I, I don't know specifically what I'll be hoping to achieve. There's a, there's a lot both in the way of philanthropic type of stuff going on and just you know, trying to take in that running culture. It's really a mecca. So I, I don't think I'll see any crazy boom in fitness. I've been injured over the weekend, uh, over the winter, and I'm just building up mileage right now. And we'll just be hopefully another couple of weeks of good training. But I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing the lifestyle that those athletes live and the culture in East Africa that's obviously doing something right hopefully learn a thing or two along the way. Well, we wish you best of luck and uh, be sure to say hi to, uh, to Reed Coolset while, while you're there. Oh, is, is he going to be there this April? I was, yeah, I you know what? I, I, uh, I think that I read on his oh. blog that uh, leading up to Rotterdam, he was going to spend some time there. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, thanks. He is Jeff Cosson and he is the Terminal Mile Run Pundit. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us on today's show, Jeff. Thanks again for having me. The Terminal Mile Time Clock with Graham Naismith. You're listening to The Terminal Mile. And to help us wrap up all the stats of this past weekend, whether they happened on the track or on the roads, we have Graham Naismith. Now, Graham, we're going to start out with the CIS indoor meet that happened just down the road in Windsor, Ontario. Now, you said this on last week's podcast. Well, I mean, there's so many to keep. There's so many runners to keep an eye on. I mean, I'm a big fan of Kamika Bingham from uh, York in the, that 60 meter. I just don't think she can be beat. Well, yes, last week, uh, if you want to turn back to last week's podcast, you can listen to that. But I said that I really didn't think that Kamika Bingham from York. I thought that she really could not be beat. I thought that there was no one in the field who could even come close to her. And well, I hate to uh, toot my own horn here, but I was. Correct. I was very much right as she broke her own national record. She broke her own record with a blazing fast 719 in the women's 60 meters. So that was a, she broke the record by five thousandths of a second, which in the 60, that's a pretty significant margin. I'd say that's for sure. So, uh, you know, what were some of the other big races that, that went down at the, at the CIS? Well, uh, the records were falling like tap water in the women's sprints. As I mentioned, Bingham broke her record. And also Haley Warren from Toronto set a national record of 8 seconds 20 in the women's 60-meter hurdles. Uh, She actually did that in the prelims, but nevertheless uh, went on also to take the gold medal in that event. Bismarck Boateng, Bingham's teammate at York, won the men's 60 meters. And there was a great finish in the women's 1,000 meters as Varsity Blues teammates Sasha Golash, or sorry, Galish, and Gabriella Stafford 
were dueling it out, and Galish out-dueling her teammate at the line, or sorry, out-leaning her teammate at the line. Uh, Galish also went on to win the 3,000 meters and finished second in the 600 and 1,500 meters. On the men's side of the 1,000 meter event, Chuck P.T. had to withstand a strong challenge from Thomas Riva of Victoria, but nevertheless was able to come out on top of the 1,000 meter event. However, when it comes to Charles Philibert Thibaudot from Laval, he would not fare as well in the 3,000 meters as he was beaten convincingly by Ross Proudfoot from Guelph. Proudfoot missed out on breaking an 18-year-old record by one thousandth of a second. One thousandth of a second. Can you believe that, Michael? Oh, that you know, that's that's a, almost like no time at all, especially when you're talking distance events. Oh, yes, absolutely. And he ended up running a 7:59:30 while the record was and still is a 7.59.29. So very, very close in Proudfoot. This was, I believe, his last race. He's a fifth year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think he's he's all out of eligibility this year. Yeah, but uh, Guelph still have some strong runners down there, including Aaron Hendricks, who I was a bit disappointed with at Nationals. I don't think he quite ran as fast as he would have wanted to, so keep an eye on him for next year. However, back to Proudfoot, um, in addition to his excellent sub-8 run in the 3000, he had a great run in the 1500, which he took gold in the 1500 meters. And uh, for his efforts, he was named the most outstanding male athlete of the meet. One of the field events I was very eager to watch was the women's long jump. Sherbrooke's Laurence Baudet had the leading, was leading the national rankings all year, with a jump of 6.04. But then at Canned West uh, Finals, Claudette Allen from Trinity Western took the national lead. So the showdown would be definitely fun to watch. And it was Allen who took the gold with a jump of 6 meters 20. And that was on her final jump. Baudette had to settle for the bronze medal. Allen wouldn't be as successful in the triple jump where she finished seventh because that event belonged to Caroline Earnhardt. Earnhardt broke a 22-year-old national record on her first jump and then broke it again two attempts later. The record now stands at 13 meters 16, and the Western Mustang is the first lady to break the 13-meter barrier at the Canadian University level. Robin Boone was also very impressive in the pole vault. The Western student decided to pass on her first five heights and start jumping at 3 meters 91. Just to put that in perspective for everyone out there, the second-place finisher ended up with a, t- with a height of 391, and Boone decided to start from that height. So that was hmm. a bit surprising, but she ended up making it and setting a national record with a vault of 4 meters 24. She, of course, then failed to meet the height of 4 meters 37. So taking a look at the relays for the ladies, York won the 4 by 200 meters with Kamika Bingham, helping them out with a great first leg, the 4 by 4 and 4 by 8s, both went to Toronto. I believe one of those was a a uh, a national record. You're gonna have to check that out for me. I it was. Adam y- yep the uh, the four by eight was a, was a was a record breaking event. And uh, boy, if you watched it, it was a fantastic race. Mm-hmm. And you can watch all of those events on demand at tracky.ca. And I remember Adam telling me that it was a it was a record there. And in that four by eight, that meant uh, with Toronto winning that, that meant that Sasha Golush. Uh, ended up winning five medals on the weekend. She won three golds and two silvers. She was undoubtedly the star of the championships on the women's side. And how about this for a fun fact for you, Michael? 
Miss Gullish was the 2000, that's right, 2000, um, the 2000 OUA and CIS Rookie of the Year in cross country. And now 15 years later, she has been named the 2015 Outstanding Female Athlete of the Year and the Most Outstanding Women of the Championship Meet. Well, you know, you, ne- you never know where life is going to take you, eh? Yeah, exactly. And uh, much like on the women's side, York won the 4x200-meter relay, and Windsor took both the 4x4 and 4x8, thanks to outstanding middle-distance runners Corey Belmore and Alex Yulman. The Toronto Varsity Blues won the women's banner with an astounding 131.5 points. They really ran away with it. In fact, their nearest competitor was Trinity Western, who had... 79 points as for the men guelph which had a very good chance to win its second banner in three years would have to sell for second with a score of 92 points the defending champion york lions finished third with 77 points and the windsor lancers who also won the women's basketball championship last weekend had 101 points winning their first championship since 2012 and also remember, uh, you can find the complete meet results and all those on-demand videos that I was mentioning before on tracky.ca. Now, of course, uh, the CIS, they weren't the only collegiate championships happening this past weekend. Uh, what was happening south of the border with some of our Canucks, uh, Canucks abroad? Yeah, one of the stars of the NCAA championships, the NCAA D1 championships, was Sean Barber, a Toronto native, who set collegiate meet and track records in the pole vault when he successfully cleared the bar at 5 meters 91. He has a very, very bright future. Rob Denolt, who I was told is a terminal mile friend of the show. He sure is, yep. Uh, he was uh, eight thousandth of a second off a four-minute mile. And in that same event, fellow Canadian Kefrey Neal, a senior from Kentucky, finished fifth in his uh, in the overall heats, but was the victim of a slow pace in the final in which only two athletes broke four minutes. Neil ended up eighth overall in the mile. Andre Degrassi capped off a impressive year at USC by taking silver in the 200 meters. Unfortunately, he false started in the 60 meters, but he's only a junior, and the Markham boy, I, I believe he'll be back at in SoCal in SoCal, rather, uh, next year. Another athlete with such a such a bright future. We'll definitely be looking forward to, to seeing what that guy does, for sure. Now, uh, take a look at the roads. There's a, a big race uh, in New York where there's a few notable Canadians racing. Tell me about that. Yes, two Canadian women fared well in the New York City Half Marathon. Natasha Woodak from Vancouver finished sixth with a time of 1 hour, 11 minutes, and 20 seconds. She was only 1 minute and 20 seconds off the winner. And Lani Marchant finished ninth in one hour, 12 minutes, and five seconds. Well, it was certainly a busy week. Thanks for keeping it up with uh, with all this, Graham. And uh, hey, you know, we've got spring marathon season and outdoor track coming up uh, in just a few short weeks. So we'll definitely be turning to you for, for all the news in that area. Well, that wraps up another episode of The Terminal Mile. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at The Terminal Mile, on iTunes, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, and of course on tracky.ca. Thanks to our guests this week, Sasha Gollish, Jeff Costin, and Graham Naismith, to the University of Windsor and CIS for putting on an amazing meet, and to Tracky for all their ongoing support. Remember to catch on-demand videos of the CIS championships, visit tracky.ca and click on the Tracky TV link. Thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. (laughs) 